Amen. Hey, hey, church, how's it going? Hello, hello, hello. You know, last week, Brian had a great teaching. He, he shared, as he put it, one of the sweet truths of the Christian faith, and that is our adoption as children of God when we become Christians. And that blessed my life. I hope you didn't miss it. If you did, you can go online and watch it. I recommend you do. And t- today, Paul's going to talk about another sweet truth, and that is our hope of heaven, especially when life is hard or going crazy like it is now in the Middle East when you think, where's the hope? How can I get hope out of this situation? Paul's going to share how we can get that. It's thinking about heaven, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, Obviously, life can be hard. Has anyone here ever been disappointed? (laughs) Silly question. Everyone has been disappointed. Disappointment, really, all, all disappointment is is we have an expectation up here and then the re- realization is down here, and in between there is disappointment. That's what that is. And we all experience that. Um, in fact, I've got an example. It's kind of a first world example. I understand that. But we went to Disneyland in 2015 for my uh, youngest son, 13th birthday. And, um, and we've been there a few times, not, not many, but we had expectations up here. Why? Because it's the happiest place on earth. So they say. But um, we had expectations, and they weren't all met. There was some disappointment. Let me explain. Um, If you go to Disneyland and you get there early, you hear the spiel about the happiest place on earth, and they open the gates, and there's a million people that rush in, and you have to figure out which ride you're going to ride first, right? you got to run for it. So we ran for it, and we got there, and it was closed. So we had choice number two. So we took out, and we ran for it, and that was closed. Then ride number three, you ran to it, and that was close. It was an hour into the morning, and we're standing in the middle of Disneyland, and everybody's in line now, except us. So we're at the end of the line. Okay, I know that's a first world problem. And the, the prices at Disneyland, I think I had high expectations. They were higher than I expected. Disappointment. <laughs> okay? And to be honest, some of the rides were a little scary, and they weren't as fun for some people as they were for the other See if you can tell who was not having as much fun on this ride, okay? (laughs) High expectations can often bring disappointment. But I want to tell you, there's one place that we will never be disappointed. And that's heaven. When we get to heaven, you can never have too high of an expectation, you will be completely and I will be completely and overwhelmingly satisfied when we get to heaven. Amen? And Paul talks about that. Uh, there's a hope that we find there. Um, what will heaven be like? Well, that, that's a great question. I, I want to show you a little one-minute video clip that, for me, it just kind of gives me a taste of what it might be like to step through the veil from this dark, cold, disappointing world into heaven. Let's see if this plays here. You know, just like Dorothy walked through the veil of the dreary black and white world into a technicolor world, I think we're going to experience something way better. And this world is going to look like black and white. We're going to go from a world of sorrow and suffering, of tears and turmoil, of grumbling and groaning. By the way, Jesus tells us we're going to have trouble in this life. We're going to walk into a world of magical, glorious, technicolor, beyond our wildest imaginations. 
And someday you and I will stand at that threshold, walk through the veil between life and death, and we're going to see God in all his glory. We're going to see him in all his glory. There's not going to be any sadness. There's no, no more sin, no more tears, no more pain, no more death. It'll all be done. That's where we're headed. Only joy, beauty, peace, and love. And like Dorothy, we might find ourselves saying, there's no place like heaven. There's no place like, say it with me. There's no place like heaven. Say it again. There's no place like heaven. Click your heels. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to be there. As believers, there's a hope to be found. You'll see how hope is tied to this idea of being in heaven throughout these verses and some other verses I'm going to share with you tonight. Heaven will be better than you can imagine. Uh, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2. However, it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived. It's not even conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even conceive how wonderful it's going to be. But we are commanded to think about it. In Colossians 3, 1, 2, listen to this. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, above. Not on this earth and all its problems, above, on heaven. And there's hope there. My prayer is that you leave with hope tonight. This has been so encouraging to prepare and to think about. There is hope because of heaven as Christians. And in this section of Romans today, Paul is going to give us three reasons to set our hearts and our hope on heaven, especially when life gets hard and difficult and discouraging, okay? So three reasons. I call my message from groans to glory because Paul talks about three different things that are groaning, uh, and we're going to talk about all three of those. The creation groans, but it will be liberated. Our bodies groan, but we will be transformed. The Holy Spirit groans, but he's going to help us. He'll be with us forever, like we sang, I think, in the song Mercy tonight. The Spirit is with us and will always be with us. So that's what we're going to look at, all right? Let's pray. I want to pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. I thank you for the promise of heaven, especially in this world that's messed up and, and our hearts are heavy even with the, the war in, in Israel. And I just pray that you would bring peace there. I pray for um, humanity on both sides, God, that, that you would protect them and help them. And God, I pray that you'd bring peace to the Middle East. Thank you, God, that you're not surprised by what's going on. And as someone message I listened to this week said, as, as the world gets worse, you're getting closer. It's getting closer to your return. These are birth pangs, and I'm thankful, God, that we can have hope in that. And we can have hope tonight. We can have hope tonight of heaven, that that's what you've promised us. So give us a hope as we leave tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Three reasons that we can have hope in the midst of difficulty. Number one, the creation will be liberated, according to the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. We'll pick it up in verse 18. It says this. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Notice, Paul says that God understands your sufferings. That, that God didn't say, just get over it. God understands that your suffering, whatever you're going through, is very real. 
your present suffering, what you're going through right now, God understands it. He's in it with you. But he says those sufferings, Paul says, they're not worth comparing to heaven, to the glory that's going to be revealed. Your sufferings in light of heaven will actually seem smaller. Now, again, he's not denying that we suffer. We all suffer. You're suffering now, some of you. But your sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. Get your minds on heaven and there's hope. That's what Paul's saying. He acknowledges your suffering is real, but he says the hope of heaven can trump your suffering, can help you in your suffering. Are you suffering? Get your mind on heaven. Understand where you're going as a Christian. I love that hymn, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn our eyes on heaven. Turn our eyes on Jesus. Verse 19 says, the creation waits. Now we're going to talk about the creation. The creation waits in eager expectation. That's an interesting phrase. The creation, the mountains, the streams, the stars, the moon, the grass, the animals, the insects, the flowers. Wait in eager expectation. That's interesting. For the sons of God to be revealed. Who are they? You and me. Sons and daughters of God to be revealed when Jesus comes back. When he comes back, we'll be revealed for who we really are. We'll be transformed, as you're going to see in the next section. And creation eagerly awaits that. Why is that? Because this, for creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Creation is subjected to frustration. Have you ever been frustrated? I've had this cough and cold now. It's in my throat for three weeks. And the first couple weeks, I couldn't even talk. And I'd be trying to talk and be, uh, you know, it's just gone. And as a pastor, to not be able to talk, it's frustrating. Okay, I was frustrated, okay? When I watched the Broncos on TV, I'm frustrated, okay? <laughs> when, when, I had to, when our furnace went out, we had to spend over $13,000 to fix our furnace. I was frustrated. We are frustrated. That's what creation is. It's frustrated. It it doesn't want to be bound. It doesn't want to be subjected to frustration. And by the way, God subjected it because of our sin. That's what it says. But he subjected it in the hope that creation itself will be what? Liberated. That creation itself will be liberated, set free from his bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So creation will be redeemed when we're redeemed. And it'll all be different. Have you ever wondered about those passages that it says the mountains sing for joy and the rivers clap their hands? I think we're going to be astonished by how creation comes alive because it's been frustrated It's been held down. And this is not the world that God created. It's not the world he intended. Sin has ruined this world. Our sin has ruined this creation. And creation is frustrated because of us. But it eagerly waits our redemption. When the glory of our redemption is revealed, then something's going to happen. You know, all creation was affected by Adam's sin. This is not what he intended. 
R.C. Sproul says it this way, This world is filled with pain and suffering, not because God is not good, but because he is good and will not tolerate evil. Sin has ruined this world. And someday it's all going to be gone. And we'll be in heaven. And there won't be any more sin. In verse 22 it says, We know that the whole creation has been what? Groaning. As in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Groaning. Now, what does that mean? And and again, see, it's creation. We're talking about all of those things. Everything out there. Everything God created is groaning. And sometimes I wonder if the, the groaning doesn't come out in like natural disasters like tornadoes and, and uh, earthquakes and tsunamis and floods and all these things that, that creation is just frustrated. And it comes out that way. It says creation has been groaning. The word groan means to a deep moan in response to pain, grief, or despair. Creation is in despair because it's under the curse. But that curse is going to be lifted someday. And we can have hope in that. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be amazing. In fact, I, I think I'm, I asked to have some copies made out in the lobby. It's one page. It's, it's just, I want you to read it even tonight before you go to bed. It's, it's just a description of what, if you imagine what heaven's going to be like. And it talks about the food you'll eat and the things you'll do and the meaningful work and the people you'll see. And oh, you got to read it. You'll just go to bed feeling good. Okay. <laughs> got to read it. It's going to be amazing. But creation groans and it says it groans as in the pains of childbirth. Now, I want to make a caveat. I've never gone through childbirth. I just want everybody to know that. Nobody come up to me and say, you have no idea. I, I know I don't. But I've seen people go through childbirth. I've seen my wife go four times. And it seems super painful. Okay, That's what it seems like to me. I empathize with you. I can't imagine how much pain. And the pain seems to increase gradually over time until the point of birth. Isn't that kind of what childbirth is like, ladies? Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. But that's what it seems like. And that's what's happening in creation. And, Jesus, and it says in the Bible, when before Jesus comes back, all these things, like birth pangs, are going to increase. Earthquakes, tsunamis, natural disasters, wars, rumors of war. It's all going to increase. Culminating at Jesus coming back and redeeming us and redeeming creation. That's what's going to happen. Like the, like the pains of childbirth. So life's hard. Guess what? It's going to get harder. So there's cruddy stuff happening in the Middle East. It's going to get worse. But we should take hope and heart that all it is is birth pangs leading up to Jesus coming back and setting it all right. He's coming back. I can't wait for heaven. I long for heaven. I want heaven. It's coming. Men and women. We can't. Three little girls born. She went through the, the, the pains of childbirth. And then she got this, and all the pain was forgotten. Thank you, Brady. Give Brady a round of applause. So all the pain of childbirth was forgotten when, when little Lucy was born. All the pain in this world, men and women, listen, all the pain of this world will be forgotten. Or at least it will be put on in the back of our mind. We won't need to think about it because we have the new birth. We're going to be 
redeemed. And Jesus is going to come back. And, and creation will be liberated from its frustration. And we will be redeemed. Our bodies will be redeemed. So what does it mean that creation will be liberated? It means that God's plan is to transform the earth and heaven into something new. In fact, earth and heaven will become one, the Bible says. When Jesus comes back to set things right, earth and heaven will become one. But we're told that creation is in bondage to decay. Now, is that true? Do we see that? Absolutely, we see that. That's a, it's a scientific fact that everything around us is in decay. In fact, there's a law called the second law of thermodynamics, and basically it means that everything tends toward entropy or everything tends toward disorder. And that is absolutely true. Um, my skin is not getting more flexible. It's getting more wrinkly as I get older. Okay? Um, and, and that's what happens. It doesn't get tighter and more vibrant. It gets more and more aged and flimsy and wrinkled. And, and if you... Have, have you ever been to a, a park that <coughs> has been neglected? It's depressing. I mean, a place where there was so much joy. Maybe you experienced joy there and so much fun with your friends or family. And, and you have so many good memories and you go back to it and it's overgrown and rusty and things are falling apart. That's what happens. That, that place, when people stop paying attention to it, it just degraded. It decayed. Um, houses don't get better over time. When I drive across the Midwest and Nebraska and Wyoming, there's barns. You can see them year to year. They're just crumbling more and crumbling more and crumbling because nobody's paying attention. Nobody's putting energy into them. That's the second law of thermodynamics. That's what's happening in creation. We've been, it's been subjected to decay. Your shingles on your roof don't get better over time. They don't heal themselves. Your car doesn't get better. Okay? It just breaks down. And some of you look at creation, and you look at all the problems that are happening in the world, and you look at how creation is, and you think, well, God, why doesn't God do something? Why? He's not a very good God if this is how he made things. But I want to tell you, that's a wrong thought. That's a wrong train of thinking. It'd be like going to a junkyard and, and going, man, Chevy makes terrible cars. Look at that. How could they even sell those? What are they thinking? They're just not a good car maker. But you know what? We all understand that when Chevy made that car, this is what it looked like. And given somebody's skill and energy, they can restore it to this. And God's going to restore the earth. As broken down as it is right now, he's going to restore it. That's not the way he created it. He didn't create it all broken down. We sinned. And the earth was under a curse, and it's been breaking down ever since, subject to frustration and decay. But that's all going to change. Creation will be liberated. Let me give you some verses. In Isaiah 65, it says, Behold, I will create a what? A new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 66, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make. Second Peter, Peter says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Peter tells us we need to look forward to heaven. Same thing I said earlier. In Revelation 21, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. 
Understand, God's not going to um, completely destroy and wad up the earth and throw it away. He's going to remake it. He's going to redeem it. I like this quote from Paul Marshall, author of Heaven is Not My Home. He says, our destiny is an earthly one, a new earth, an earth redeemed and transfigured, an earth reunited with heaven, but an earth nevertheless. Um, the new earth is going to be a paradise. Where we dwell, God is going to remake the Garden of Eden, and that's where we're going to dwell. In heaven, that will be heaven. The new heaven and the new earth. We're not going to be some ethereal wisp of smoke, you know, playing a harp. No, no, no. We're going to be enjoying the Garden of Eden with all the animals, the, all, the, the fruit that you just can't imagine, even though Brent says we can't bring it to every man's Monday. But if you had this fruit, you'd want it. And we're going to get to taste it straight from the Garden of Eden. I like what Randy Alcorn said. He said, when God walked with, the, with Adam and Eve in the garden, earth was heaven's backyard. The new earth will be even more than that. It will be heaven itself. And those who know Jesus will have the privilege of living there. Um, it's, it's like this. You guys used to watch that show, Extreme Home Makeover. Remember that was popular 20 years ago. Ty Pennington, they would find a broken down house and they'd surprise somebody and move them out and then they would fix up their house. Remember that? And it was transformed. I think <coughs> that when God creates the new heaven and the new earth, it's going to be like that. It's going to be, um, it's going to be Extreme Home Makeover Earth Edition. Okay, with Ty Pennington. I don't know if he'll be there. I hope he is. God's going to remake the earth. It's going to be new. It's going to be the Garden of Eden. It's going to be what it meant to be. Creation will be liberated. God's plan is to transform earth and heaven into something new. And we can find hope from that. So, men and women, are you suffering? Can I encourage you? Think about heaven. Get that piece of paper and read so you can imagine what heaven is going to be like, okay? So, the creation will be liberated. That gives us hope and hardship. Here's the second thing that gives us hope and hardship. Our bodies will be transformed. Who can say amen to that? My body will be transformed. Amen. <laughs> I doubt too many people woke up this morning and looked at their body and said, Oh, amen. <laughs> that is so awesome. That is glorious. No, we, most of us don't do that. It's good news that our bodies be transformed, and they will be. Check this out. Paul says in verse 23, hold on, I got to take a cough drop. You guys are watching me? That's how I do it. Okay. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We, we have the Spirit of God, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We ourselves have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan. We groan. Inwardly, as we eagerly await, just like the creation eagerly awaits, we eagerly await something. We eagerly wait for our adoption of sons. That's what Brian talked about all last week. The redemption of our bodies. We eagerly await the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are going to be transformed. Our bodies are going to be different. And, and again, it's not going to be, we're not going to be ghosts. We're going to have real bodies. But they're going to be fascinating, amazing bodies, okay? And they're going to be redeemed. For in this hope, 
Paul says you have to have you, you should have hope in the fact that your body is going to be redeemed. You should have hope in that. Do you even think about it? Think about it and you'll have hope. For in this hope we were saved. That's that's a fascinating statement. In this hope we were saved? Yes. In this hope of heaven, in this hope of a liberated creation, in this hope of our bodies being transformed, in the hope of all this yucky going away, and we have heaven. That is hope. Paul says, in your salvation, there's hope. The hope of heaven. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's like me, finally, when I get over this scratchy coffee throat, when I, it's all done and I'm, you know, I know it's finished, I don't say, man, I hope I get over this cough. Why? Because it's over. Man, I hope this, this, uh, this world gets better. We won't hope that anymore because it's going to get better. Our bodies are going to be transformed. We have that hope. In fact, Christian, do you know, do you realize, as a believer, what we're experiencing on earth in your lifetime is the worst you'll ever experience. This is the worst it's going to get. It's only going to get better in heaven. But if you're an unbeliever and you don't know Christ and you reject Christ, this earth is the best it's ever going to get for you because it's only going to get worse. And I mean really worse for all eternity. But you can have heaven. Jesus came to pay for you so you can have it. Life can only get better for Christians. Let's talk about transformed bodies. We're going to have transformed bodies, but we're going to be the same people. Make no mistake about that. God's not taking our bodies, throwing them away, and creating something new. That wouldn't be resurrection, would it? If it's a brand new thing. No, he's going to redeem our bodies. He's going to transform us. That's what's going to happen. In fact, in the Westminster Confession, it says, All the dead shall be raised up with the self-same bodies, and none other. We will, these bodies are going to be redeemed. You say, what about people that died at sea and during wars and fish ate them and, you know, their, their bodies are scattered all over the place? How's God going to do that? He's God. No problem. He's going to, re, he's going to resurrect that body. He's going to pull all those atoms back together. That is not going to be a problem for God. It would be for you. It's not for God. We are going to have the same bodies recreated, regenerated, and transformed. And there's continuity, which means we will recognize each other. We will have memories of earth. We will be able to see and understand things that we knew on earth. There will be continuity from this life to heaven. It doesn't just get washed away. There'll be continuity. We'll see our loved ones. We'll enjoy fellowship with one another. Okay? And that's very important. I like what Anthony Hokima said. He said, there must be continuity, for otherwise there would be little point in speaking about a resurrection at all. The calling into existence of a completely new set of people, totally different from the present inhabitants of earth, would not be resurrection. There's continuity in our minds and in our understanding and what we recognize in heaven. John Piper says it this way. What happens to our bodies and what happens to cr the creation go together. And what happens to our bodies is not annihilation, just being destroyed. No, it's redemption. We await the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies will be redeemed, restored, made new, not thrown away. And so it is with the heavens 
and the earth. I love that. Our bodies will be transformed, but there'll be continuity. Not only that, our bodies will be glorious. Again, you didn't say that in the mirror this morning, most likely. That is glorious! You know? Um, but our bodies will be. When they're transformed, they'll be glorious. Look what Paul says to the Philippians. But our citizenship, where we really reside, our real home, is in heaven. Not here, in heaven. And we eagerly, there's that word again, this eager. Whenever Paul talks about heaven and the hope of heaven and the redemption, he's like, we eagerly await a Savior from there, from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, listen, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. They will be glorious. That is fantastic news. Especially when you understand about Jesus' glorious body. He says, our bodies right now are lowly because of sin. Okay? But they will be transformed. Kind of like the Hulk is transformed. You know, Bruce Banner is transformed. He's still the same person, but he's been transformed into something new. His body has been transformed. Um, We're going to be transformed, but we'll probably not be green, and we'll probably be nice to each other. Okay? So just so you know. Our bodies will be like Jesus' body. That's what it just said. What's his body like after he resurrected? The Bible tells us. We get to see it. Dear friends, uh, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Jesus appears, when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope, see how it's tied to hope again? All these verses of transformed bodies in heaven and creation and Jesus coming back, there's hope there. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 Corinthians 15. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. When Jesus came back, he rose from the dead. At one point, he appeared in the upper room. He actually walked through the walls and scared the disciples who were shaken like a leaf, thinking that that they were going to be crucified just like their Lord had been crucified. Jesus walks through the wall, the resurrected Christ, the nail holes in his hand and the the spear uh, mark in his side. He walks right into the room and they think he's a ghost. Read Read the section. The disciples are freaking out like, oh, there's a ghost. And Jesus says, look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. I'm the same person. There's continuity that I was before I got crucified, before I raised from the dead. Touch me and see. A ghost, guys, guys, listen, a, a ghost does not have flesh and bones. Jesus evidently had flesh and bones after he resurrected. But he could walk through stinking walls. That is awesome! Flesh and bones, as you see, I have. And you know what else he did? And I always, this just, this is so cool to me. He's talking to these guys. He, you know, he tells Thomas, you know, put your hand inside my wound. And that's what Thomas does, doubting Thomas. And the rest of them are like, this, he's not a ghost. And he says, what do you, what do you guys have to eat? And they say, we got some fish. And he says, give me a piece. In this story, you go read it. And Jesus takes a piece of fish, and he eats it. Now, if you've watched a lot of Scooby-Doo, you understand. If a ghost eats anything or drinks anything, what happens to it? It comes right out to the floor, okay? Jesus ate a piece of fish, yet he can walk through walls. 
that's where you're going you're to have that kind of body. And he could, zip, he could be wherever he wanted to be instantly. Yet he had flesh and bone. What an amazing body. This is the body we're going to have. Flesh and bones, we will have continuity. We'll recognize one another. Jesus had the nail scars in his hands as a resurrected body. Our body will be like his. It'll be remarkable. Bruce Milne, he says, the Jesus who says, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. This Jesus who draws back the curtain on the heavenly life and shows us what it will be like. Embodied. You will have a body. But it'll be a transformed body. It'll be an amazing body. You will eat. You'll work. You'll have meaningful work. You'll play. You'll learn. You'll worship. You'll sing. You'll travel. You'll explore in heaven, on the new heaven, on the new earth. Some people think that heaven's just going to be boring. I mean, that's what a lot of you guys think about heaven, right? I wish I brought a magazine. This is so boring. This has nothing to do with what heaven's going to be like. God's going to recreate the creation to the Garden of Eden. He's going to transform your body to be like Jesus' resurrected body, and you get to live there forever and ever in paradise. This is what the Bible promises. This is what Paul says. We need to have hope in this. So the creation groans, but it'll be liberated. Our bodies groan, but will be transformed. And finally, last couple of verses, the Holy Spirit. Did I already go past? The Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit's going to help us. Last couple of verses. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Isn't that good to know we have the Spirit inside of us to help us? <coughs> and He does. He'll never leave us. Listen to my message two weeks ago. I talk about that. We have assurance of salvation as Christians. We do not know what we ought to pray, pray for, but the Spirit Himself what intercedes for us with groans. There's that word again. The Holy Spirit groans. But he's doing it in intercession. He's helping us pray according to God's will, as you'll see in a second. The spirit in us, it says groans. Again, with, and, and it describes it, groans that words cannot express. And he, the Holy Spirit, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the spirit. Because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I think that is such a beautiful passage and a comforting passage on prayer for me. Sometimes it's just hard to know what to pray. Sometimes I just don't know what to pray. Sometimes things are so hard. You know, uh, be vulnerable here. A couple, three weeks ago, I was out on a prayer walk. I had, I had to go out on a prayer walk because there were just some things that in my, in my emotionally came crashing into my life. And it was, I couldn't do anything but just cry. I couldn't work. I couldn't breathe. I had to go pray. I had to just walk. And I remember praying, God, I can't, I can't even talk. I, can't, I feel like my chest is, can't, I can't, I feel, I feel like I'm going to explode. God, I, I can't even talk. I can't even breathe, and I'm just weeping, walking and weeping. And I prayed one of the best prayers I've ever prayed. God, help me. I can't even pray. I can't even pray. God, help me. And you know what he did? The Spirit interceding. The Spirit understands that prayer. Amen? The Spirit inside you understands that prayer. Help me. I need your help, God. That's what the Spirit does. And He lives inside of us. 
There's two other things that we see the Holy Spirit does quickly. Um, first of all, the Holy Spirit helps us in the present. Well, I haven't read the verses yet. Let's read these. Oh, I did read those. Sorry. Let me go past them. Two things the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit can help us in the present, and it can help us in the future. So it helps us in the present. Here's just some ways you might want to take a picture of that. I guess it's in your notes. Um, <laughs> these are just some of the things the Bible says the Holy Spirit does for us right now. Uh, the Holy Spirit counsels us. Gives us advice. It speaks to us. It guides us. It sanctifies us. It makes us more like Jesus. It intercedes for us, just like we just read. It empowers us for ministry by giving us gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it convicts the world of sin. And I love that last one. Whenever I'm going to share the gospel with a lost relative or friend or someone that I meet, I always pray this prayer in John 16, verse 8. Uh, it says, when, this, when he, the Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment to come. So I don't have to convict people of sin. I don't have to convict you of sin. I, I prayed this week that you would be convicted of sin. That's not my job, though. It's the Holy Spirit's job. When he comes, he will convict the world with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. I pray that. There's some of you that need to be convicted of your sin. You need to repent of your sin, turn to Christ in faith, so you can be in heaven with us. We, we want you to be with us. God wants you to be with us. But you need to understand you have a sin problem. And the Holy Spirit will convict you somehow. Maybe he's doing that right now. He convicts us with regard to sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Second thing he does, he helps us in the future. Helps us in the future. Ephesians 1.13 says this, that you also were included with Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We are guaranteed as Christians to go to heaven because the Spirit is sealed inside of us as a deposit. I talked about that again two weeks ago. We are safe, secure, and sealed. That's what the Bible says. So really, the only question and the most important question that you could ever ask yourself is, do you have the Spirit. Let me go back to two weeks ago in the verses that Paul shared. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him and will not be in heaven. You have to have the Spirit of God in you. That's what a believer is. When you repent of your sins, turn to Christ in faith, become born again. Your spirit, his spirit moves inside your body. And that's the guarantee that you're going to be in heaven forever. Because God won't leave his, let his spirit go to hell. So, do you have the spirit? Are you born again? If not, talk to me or talk to someone here tonight. This is the most important question you can ask. Go to the connections booth. Just sort it out. God is not stingy. He wants you to know him. He is dying for you to be with him in heaven. Literally, he wants you to be there. Okay, do you have the spirit? Um, if not, why would you wait? This is the best deal you're going to get in your life. Jesus paid for your sins. All you have to do is ask for it. He'll give it to you. Why miss out on heaven? We want you to be with us. We want you to be able to say with us when we get to heaven, there's no place like heaven. Say it with me. There's no place like heaven. One more time. There's no place like heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time tonight. 
Thank you for the reminder of the he- of heaven and how you tell us to eagerly hope, eagerly expect that creation will be liberated, that our bodies will be transformed, and that we have the Spirit inside of us to help us pray and to secure heaven for us. Wow, what good news. What hope that we have as Christians. I thank you for that, God. We long to be in heaven. We long to leave this world that's broken down and rusty and depressing. Lord, we groan inwardly, longing for heaven. And thank you that that's the hope we have. That's the hope we have. As this earth gets more and more decrepit and depressing, it means you're getting closer and closer to coming back. And we thank you for that. We thank you again for the hope of heaven. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.